On 96.7 on your FM dial, you're listening to QOL, Quality of Life. Wow, it's uh, it's something we all strive for, isn't it? And, you know, the things that we do, the places we go, the people we see, the, the knowledge we gather is all about quality of life. Not just the food, drink, and, and you know, it's, it is about the people and, and the activities we do. Well... There is a place I'm sure that many of you have not gone to, especially if you don't live in Sault Ste. Marie. But if you're passing through, Sault Ste. Marie is has got at least, uh, well, two fantastic venues for you to visit. One, of course, the Bush Plain Heritage Center, and the other, Antomica. Gentlemen, tell us who we've got on the phone today. Good morning, Hugh. Uh, my name's Chris, Chris Lee. I'm the manager uh, and director and curator of Entomica's live collections. And I'm Devin Harrington, and I'm the outreach coordinator for Entomica. The, the term Entomica, well, there's you can take two parts of that name. So entomology, which is the entom, and then we have Ica, which is a gathering place. So th- this is a gathering place for insects and people alike to come experience misunderstood, hidden, fascinating world of insects through interactive displays and exhibits. We have a team of bug wranglers here that actually uh, allow it, the public to come in and handle insects that they've never experienced in their entire lives. Now, it's, it's I guess you could call it a pocket museum? Now, we are a, a registered science centre in Canada and we are the smallest of all science centres in Canada. Um, but yeah, we're just a, an insectarium that started off basically uh, 2014 with a grassroots initiative, um, kind of bringing insects to the community. And like we've done things where we've taken insects uh, to release monarch butterflies, for instance, at some of the senior homes. Uh, we do outreach for schools and other community events. Uh, so it's a really great thing to have in our in our community. And yeah, a lot of a lot of people don't realize we're here inside the Bush Plain Heritage Museum uh, or Heritage Center, I should call it. Um, but yeah, it's a really nice treat once you enter in and find that there's an insectarium located inside. Absolutely. Now, I mean, I could ask either of you, but let's go with Devin. Uh, you know, people don't understand the role of insects in planetary ecology, do they? Well, it's, it's very interesting on that regard because a lot of the decomposers that end up basically cycling off a lot of the waste that we end up producing... Heck, we even have like stories from over in Australia where when they brought over cows and they didn't have the right dung beetles, the dung beetles that were there weren't even going after the cow manure. And just being able to provide that information to kids that they have such an integral part to our lives to actually make the ecosystem go around is incredibly important to us. I remember a course that I took at Laurentian University and it uh, described how people came with ideas like bringing fig trees to California. And it was fantastic. What a great idea. Fig trees in California. But they didn't bring the Smyrian, Smyrnian, Smyrnian <laughs> wasps that yeah. have the right features to, to, um, to pollinate. And without that, the fig production didn't happen. Isn't it interesting? Yeah, and that's an incredibly important part in that, yeah, pollinators, there's a lot of different kinds of plants that require particular mouth parts or body shapes in order to actually fit into the flower. Heck, even around here, we even have blueberries, and it takes the black flies in which to pollinate them. So if you didn't have the black flies here, they would have a much lower chance of being pollinated. Mm. Well, yeah. I could do without the black flies, or at least a reduction in black fly experience. Um, <laughs> now, 
you do have, and I don't know, is there a connection between you and the Great Lakes Forest Institute? I mean, they did a lot of research on, on pest insects that were destroying the forest. Is that partly where you grew out of? So actually, Hugh, um, I'll, I'll answer this one for you. So Thanks, Chris. Sean Beatties, um is the lead biologist of the insect production and quarantine laboratories at the Great Lakes Forestry Centre. Uh, and it was with John Deedes that Entomica actually started back in 2014. Um, so this was actually his, uh, I guess, his kind of baby he had started up. And uh, But yes, we do have the affiliation because John is a lead biologist over at the insect production there. Um, and it's very nice to have sort of collaborative uh, programs with them, the Invasive Species Centre. And uh, right now we're actually doing some programming through them that uh, Devin here has actually put together. And it's it's quite a uh, quite a nice thing that we're doing to be able to collaborate with them so yeah we were able to get live samples as well as preserved samples and we're able to bring those right to the public and we're doing our presentations as entomica letting people know about invasive species in our area yes like the of course the emerald ash borer uh that's one that's destroying our cityscapes and streetscapes isn't it yeah, a, a very beautiful looking beetle, but I tell you, it's doing a ton of damage to the ash trees that we have around here. Hmm. Yeah, we we went through an effort after the the loss of the uh, the elms that uh, that graced. Actually, there's a couple of elms in front of your courthouse that they spent quite a lot of energy on preserving. And um, and I seem to think last time I drove along Queen Street, it was a it was uh, they were still doing well enough. But, uh, you know, the emerald ash borer works differently. And they bring, I don't know the life cycle of these things, but you're absolutely right. They're gorgeous to look at, like jewels. Yeah. Oh, that's why they're called the jewel, uh, like in the jewel beetle family. Oh. Pressidae, it's called, uh, which is a class of jewel beetles. Now, that's, that's the thing with the emerald ash borer. It's actually quite devastating because once we start to see any types of impacts produced by the emerald ash borers and their life cycles they've been cycling through, uh, by that point, it's already too late, and the trees are dying off due to that. Isn't that interesting? Now, uh, let's, I, I guess I do this on every program, roll back the clock. Here's Chris and Devin, two guys who'd never met. You probably were born uh, relatively uh, same time in geological history, and you, um, you, you now found yourselves here at this location doing what you do. Devin, what was your I guess, education trajectory uh, that led you to this place. And Chris, I'll ask the same question in a minute of you. Yeah, so I ended up starting out on the East Coast at Dalhousie. I went to school for biology and ocean sciences. So I ended up graduating with biological oceanographer. And during that time, I ended up taking, uh, well, I ended up being a TA inside an aquaculture course. I really loved it. And what I ended up doing is I went to teacher's college afterwards and I got my teaching degree in order to kind of pass that on. Uh, now, the regular classroom environment wasn't something I was really interested in, but going and actually being able to see many different people, adults, kids, being able to go into the different classrooms was something that I found really fun and exciting. So that kind of got me into coming back into Entomica again and actually doing a lot of the educational outreach and as well as working with some really cool about insects and bugs, actually, because I thought I was just going to stay with fish my entire life, but I kind of, I guess, uh, switched the boat. Mm. Wow. <laughs> and and here here you are. Actually, I mean, you're on a waterfront, so you're, you're not disconnected from your past history in some ways. 
Oh yeah, and that's definitely for sure. I'm actually I'm, I'm trying to even bring in some aquacult like aquaculture stuff into Entomica with the fish tanks, as well as we're planning on doing uh, at, uh, planning on doing a pond experiment where we actually get to see different pond creatures that are microscopic underneath the microscope, and I'm trying to bring that into Entomica as my aquatic. Uh, uh, addition to the team. Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, insects are, are um, uh, exploit a wide variety of of, uh, of uh, territories, uh, um, uh, environments. Uh, I just saw some pictures of some foot long isopods on the on the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico. I didn't know isopods could get that big. I mean, we call them pill bugs or potato bugs, but foot long. Wow. They, they are absolutely massive, and there's so many interesting things that are still on the bottom of our oceans that we're finding every single day, and we are still trying to figure out ways even to bring them up in which to show the public, because they have a lot of tricky instances, because their whole cell walls actually become unstable at our regular pressure, which is something that we're still dealing with and trying to figure out ways to show off this lesser-known world way down the depths. Yes. And, one so, day, if we could have pressure tank in here, that would be wild. <laughs> Sylvia Earle is developing a, a new type of, uh, or wants to develop a new type of uh, exploration tool for the deep, uh, the deeps of, of of lakes and and oceans. I mean, the, some go very very deep. Chris, where did you? Uh, how did you? What trajectory did you have to get to Antomica? So, uh, sort of a, a, a little bit strange story, actually, but uh, I started off as a, a tool and die manufacturing apprentice um, back in 2007 to 2009. That's what I had attended Georgian College in Barrie, Ontario for. Uh, and when I graduated, I had a position at a, a local company in Midland, Ontario. Um, so I did that for maybe a year and a half, doing my apprenticeship for uh, trade school level one. And I realized all my friends were out in Alberta working in the oil field. So I decided to head out that way because <laughs> that's I, a, a young man. I was drawn for the money, right? Right. Now, my whole life, I should mention, I've had a passion for insects, the natural environment, and well, especially insects, uh, especially arachnids. Now, yeah, we're talking spiders and things, right? Absolutely. Spiders, uh, scorpions, ambly pigeons, which are tailless whip scorpions. I've had an interest in these uh, sort of arthropods my whole life, right? And uh, when the pandemic had hit, I was working uh, most recently at a Simcoe County transfer station, which is attached to landfills. Mm -hmm. And and I realized when the pandemic hit and I got laid off, I thought, I want to go back to school for something I really love, I'm passionate about, and that I know I'm going to excel at. So I moved my life uh, with my partner, her name is Sarah, but we moved up to Sault Ste. Marie and I attended Fish and Wildlife Conservation Technician at Sioux College. Um, And then when I had been in school my first semester, I was looking around for places to do a co-op for my schooling and I found through the Federal Student Work Experience Program a position at the Great Lakes Forestry Centre in insect production. So I quickly tackled on to that uh, opportunity. Um, and actually how I had obtained this position was I, I reached out to my communications teacher, uh, a woman, and I said, would you mind looking over my resume? She said yes, made some recommendations. Then I made those uh, recommendations uh, or corrections to my resume. Then she asked if she could pass it around the building that she worked at, which was the Great Lakes Forestry Center here in Sault Ste. Marie. And of course, I said, yes, go ahead. 
that's when my resume reached uh, John Deedy's hands and he uh, took me into the insect production where I had gotten valuable lab experience working with insects, uh, mainly forest pest species and invasive species in the quarantine laboratories. Uh, but when I had completed my uh, schooling for fish and wildlife, I had a conversation with Mr. Deedy's and he asked me pretty much what my ambitions were and where I was headed. And he had offered me a position for manager of Antomica for op- director of operations, right? Mm, indeed. And uh, I've been here ever since. Uh, before graduating, I had started on the team and uh, I just graduated this past April 2022. Wow. Uh, so um, the enthusiasm is there. I have to ask this of both of you is because I know that many of the insects you have can come from uh, a diverse diverse places across this planet do you knowing what you know in terms of reproduction and are you using some of those tools to ensure that you don't need to order insects from far away you're able to actually um, uh, breed them up at your facility absolutely um now it's just a matter of uh like things that i'm able to do with the colonies and things i'm unable to do so for instance um, stick stick insects, they're going to reproduce without me doing anything. I just have to provide food for them, moisture, uh, a nice environment. And, and two genders. And that type of reproduction. Work. And two genders, right? Or more? Mo- mo- most species, but some are parthenogenic, so there's only one female or, or a, a cloned uh, yep. of the mother. So they just make fertilized clones, cloned eggs. Like beetles, I think, do that uh, quite effectively, don't they? No, Sorry, some. some some beetles do that, I imagine. Uh, no, I'm not sure about many beetles that do this, but I know it's very common within stick insects. Hmm. Um, they're able to do that when there's no presence of males in the environment. They just and when they, make when they it realize happen. this, they can yeah produce fertilized or parthenogenic. So this animals. must this must be very uh, um, uh, useful for you uh, for both of you in that you're not having to order and you know then provide uh, you know carbon miles and and you're able to uh, demonstrate. I imagine if there's juveniles, some kids who come to visit are like. Oh, I always thought insects were this big. Yeah, but they have to grow from something, right? You can show the whole life cycle. It's incredibly interesting to see because a lot of people don't even make the connection that beetles are grubs for a large proportion of their life, almost three quarters for most species. Uh, And when you bring out this white worm that you end up seeing in the back that turns into these beautiful hard-taste beetles is just a complete shift 180, kind of like caterpillars turning into butterflies. Yes. Turn into beetles. And people are like, wow, how in the world does that happen? And for us, it makes a big difference being able to breed them in facility because even between different insectariums in Canada, we try to trade and help each other out. So when we have extras, if something's breeding really well for us, we'll send a few extra over to uh, another insectarium somewhere else in Canada, Victoria, whatever the case might be. And yeah, I just bump up each other's stocks. Yes, there is one in, in Victoria. Boy, I haven't been there in, in absolute years since the kids were, were tiny, tiny, younger. Uh, but uh, yes, you're associated also with Science North here in Sudbury, aren't you? So yes, we are. We're uh, collaborative with Science North in Sudbury. Um, they do have a location. We actually did uh, a partnership over the summer of 2022 called the Great Northern Ontario Roadshow. Um, where Science North, a couple other vendors, and as well as Antomica, traveled around to some uh, northern Ontario cities as far south as Perry Sound, and I think as far west over as Dryden and Kenora area there. 
Ah, well, that, that's great because you have to bring, not every, especially during pandemic uh not everybody is able to uh people have retreated haven't they i mean and of course then rising inflation rates means that families aren't traveling quite as much so bring science to them absolutely it was a it was a very good initiative to have hmm. uh, you know so when you talk about doing outreach devon do you then actually go to the schools or you, you have a list of all the teachers who are teaching science at whatever you want to call science, such a generic term, uh, you know, at grade three level, at grade six level, at grade 11 level? Do you have like a master list and you just start calling and saying, you got to come and see what's going on here at Antomica? Well, what we end up doing, yeah, we have different uh, different programs for different grade levels, like even parts of the bug. Uh, decomposition, which is kind of like the cycle of life that's a little lower in the grade three, four range. We have bugs in flight, which is grade six, and then we're going up to invasive species, which are on grade six, seven. And what we end up doing for the most part is we're trying to, we try to connect with uh, board members, and then they connect us with teachers that are interested in giving that experience to their kids. And we can go straight to the classrooms, or they can come to us. But we just recently did one at the French school, FH Clerge here in, uh, Sault Ste. Marie, where we actually brought the invasive species uh, with the parasitic wasps as well as emerald ash borer to show the kids to see what they're actually looking at and what invasive species is. So yeah, we do a lot of that kind of thing, as well as bringing uh, microscopes with us as well, just in case kids don't have access to microscopes. Because not all of them are as big as your, your, oh my goodness, what Goliath, whatever his name was. So I'm going to ask, really, it really amazes me how hands-on insectariums are. Yours particularly, very, very um, engaging in that way, isn't it? And we've definitely set the tone on that as well, too, because even Science North is starting to bring out their insects and stuff like that. But we were the original ones that kind of said, like, well, you can have insects inside your facility. And if you're careful and you know what you're doing, you can bring them out and show them to people. And it really is a lot nicer than just having to see this Behind glass. Behind. They're just in and you can't have any kind of interaction with. No, you've got some wonderful displays and, and I mean, there's no way to do, uh, you can only have so many because uh, there's the two of you, but there are volunteer staff or are there other members of staff? We have volunteers that come in and we have a very active board as well that comes in as well too, that comes in and helps us set everything up. Uh, but yeah, we have we have a lot of help wherever we can. We're still trying to build it out as well too, trying to see if we can get involvement of maybe uh, some uh, local businesses as well. But uh, and we're just we have a lot of help in the community, and we can really just say thank you to everybody who's really made this possible in Sault Ste. Marie, in Northern Ontario town, to have in some ways kind of a world like a, at least a Canada world class uh, insectarium. So this does. You know, hard to imagine in some ways you say, oh, it's a bug museum. But it does improve some people's quality of life. Many people, because they they gain an understanding. But it sounds to me like with your volunteers and the board, they are really quite passionate about what's going on at your facility. Oh, and that's incredibly important, too, because that's the only thing that they won't be coming as a volunteer to get paid with for your passion and being, well, paid with passion, basically, and your enthusiasm, enthusiasm. but also just being able to provide that first-time experience, especially, too, we go into uh, retirement homes mm, as well, and we course. provide 
sometimes for the first time in people who've lived 80, 90 years old that hold a bug for the first time. And uh, us here in Antomica, we were actually the first approved uh, insectarium to actually bring insects out of our facility. Since we're a quarantine facility, there are rules behind what we can and can't do. But what we end up doing, uh, bringing them out to the people is something that uh, inside retirement homes, a lot of them can't leave and come to an insectarium like no. here, so we bring them to them. It's about vigilance, isn't it? Uh, knowing what you're you're doing and, and certainly your skills as an educator and and uh, the passion that Chris has to to uh, make things uh, make things take place. You go to this facility, you bring it to you. Do there do people's eyes get wider? Do they do they say, "Oh my goodness, I never thought about this." It's uh, it's quite an experience. So I've actually related this to many of my past experiences where, so I have been a firearms instructor, um, but you know when you get that sense of uh, achievement, when you've driven your very first car, you've shot your very first uh, firearm, you've held your very first tarantula. This, yeah. this feeling that I get when I help somebody achieve that, it's amazing. That's why I, I continue to love this so much. Well, and even so too, we actually having Autism Ontario come in as well too uh, mm -hmm. in the next couple months, and that'll be a first experience for a lot of them. And we're kind of hoping to, yeah, be able to provide that to people, people who normally don't really thrive inside certain situations, have an amazing time in Antomica because it's just so uh, kind of out of the norm itself that it really provides such a unique experience to people. Absolutely. Well, let let's. You know, I don't know, maybe I was raised on, you know, fear of, of, of uh, spiders particularly. I mean, almost every horror movie that I can think of, even James Bond had, uh, had a, an insect uh, or a spider experience. Do you think that today's children are, mm, certainly through your efforts, are going to be more aware of the wider world and the value that insects bring, that, that they're part of, part of our ecology? Absolutely, and I, I believe that the experience we're giving people, um, they're coming in unknowing of what could, what they're about to walk into. So they come in, um, we have to basically build that trust immediately so that the person will feel comfortable in, in order to be able to interact with some of our collections. Um, and yeah, like the people that do come in, sometimes they're right off the bat, no, I don't want to hold it. <laughs> and then you get, you get, you Look, get but don't touch, it. right? <laughs> and then you get talking with them and uh, they see that you're handling the insect and you're explaining it, giving a little bit of a demonstration with education behind it so that they're feeling more safe and then uh, they approach the situation more comfortably and they're able to hold the insect afterwards. I think something that's incredibly important for kids too, because kids don't really know to be scared unless they see someone else being scared as well. Right. And seeing sometimes the first experience, them actually seeing a bug up close, having one of us that is very comfortable with handling the insect and showing them how to handle them. Uh, they often see that and actually if, if you if you kind of uh, show off that you are very confident and there's no way that these guys are going to hurt you, uh, a lot of the kids emulate that almost immediately, especially the young ones. They're completely fine. Like they put their arms out and they're like, oh, I want to hold the, I want to hold the praying mantis. I find one of the best tactics that uh, you could approach anybody with is uh, encouragement. So if you're telling a child or even an adult that uh, that was really brave, that you just did that good job and you're giving that encouragement, uh, it really makes people, even in the group that are around, feel like, okay, I can do this. And they step up and have that experience that they thought they weren't going to have. And the look of exhilaration on someone's face yes. when they 
cold a, a tarantula or a millipede for the first time those are two big ones i find when people really hold them and then you find like oh man i can't believe i just did that no. yeah. <laughs> yeah people want to take pictures selfies with the insects i'm sure Absolutely. And it's encouraged. I mean, these are things you don't see every day of your life unless you're us and you work in the insectarium. Um, but uh, they're things that you don't see on, a, on an everyday basis, especially in your in your life, just maybe on television, you know. Right. So does that mean that perhaps since you're in the Sioux, that Sioux City Council comes out and they get a full on Atomica experience to the mayor? Does uh, does your member of parliament come to visit? Do they do they engage? Because I mean, that's where your funding comes from, partly, isn't it? We're very happy that we have someone like John as president of the board. And a lot of times he actually comes in with a lot of members of the local area in which to try to get us more, yeah, more funding, more people, because the more people we have working here, the more pe- uh, more things we can do for the community, right? Mm. And we keep trying to bring more of them, more and more of them into the door because we still get really big MPs and that that haven't ever been in here. And they're like, I didn't realize that we had an insectarium in Sault Ste. Marie. And it's like, we're one of the big draws, especially people who come off the fall color tour. They come right down here during the summertime and it's packed in here. Yeah, and it's not, how many square feet are we talking in terms of public space? It's probably not more than... 300 or 250 is it i don't yeah it's around that i think we're only sitting at like three. although you've got you've got some exterior display as well along the uh, the ramp up to the entrance area but it's it's a and then you've got your your workshop in behind but it's not it's it's maybe that's one of the attractions of it it's not big it's the right size for what you're doing now it is nice. Uh, you don't have to walk around too far to find all the things that we have to offer, and uh, yeah, it's it, it's nice to see everything so close. So you can just get a you almost get a sense of imagination when you're looking into each tank because they're decorated with live plants, uh, gemstones, and various minerals. And uh, yeah, it's just nice to have everything in such a small space versus such a large area that you might not even get a chance to look at everything, you know? Yes. And there's something magical about actually how well hidden some of these insects are. As soon as yes. you're looking around this tank filled with all natural things, you're like, oh, that's a stick insect, that, and it's huge, this giant budwing in the back corner. You think it's just this big stick in the back, but it's this whole thing occupying almost like good part of the tank. Now, Hugh, I just want to mention quickly, we, uh, I know that we are an insectarium, atomic insectarium, uh, but we have begun to really diversify with our collections, and now we have things such as a marine tank with tons of live corals, uh, Ooh, ar- yes. arthropods, and other invertebrates in there. Uh, we have a freshwater aquarium with a lot of different species in there. We even have a smaller freshwater aquarium with for our cranky little friend, the crayfish. Uh, who can't be kept with some of the other freshwater species. No. Uh, and now we're also uh, obtaining a lot of amphibians, reptiles. We're all chameleons. Yeah, so we have uh, five chameleon species, all very, very beautiful uh, species. And we, in the future, very soon, we will be obtaining some avian friends, um, so some colorful finches from around the world. Gosh. Well, I was going to ask, but you've already done it. I was going to ask about plans for the future. This is an appropriate time to um, also maybe either of you, both of you, jump in and tell us about your hours of operation. If you're doing anything at March break special and where do people go to websites, Facebook, Instagram? Tell us all about those things. 
So what we have, well, firstly, starting with, starting off, we have Facebook and Instagram account that we post on and with whatever events we are going to. We do Oktoberfest and a lot of outreach events like that. But we normally operate from uh, from Tuesday to Sunday, 10 to 3.30 every single day. So you can come in all through that time. And as well as uh, we can also, uh, we also do a lot of things with uh, bringing them out to uh, learning opportunities and presentations as well. It says on your website that there are some days that you're not available. You're actually out doing tours. So, so that's great. And, and uh, you know, everybody would understand that, that you're, you're doing your outreach program. And gentlemen, this is outreach. You have, uh, you've been part of this, uh, this program. I wanted to say thank you to Chris and Devin, who are at Antomica in Sault Ste. Marie. This has been 96.7 on your FM dial. QOL, Quality of Life with Hugh Cruzel. And join us again this Thursday, every Thursday at 6 o'clock, or listen to Radio Garden, or try a podcast as well. Chris, Devin, thank you so much for being guests here and uh, sharing your story about Antomica. Thank you. Thanks so much from uh, myself and Devin and in the whole Atomica team. Thank you very much for having us. Fantastic. Talk to you again soon. And folks, you should go and visit this. This is a real gem uh, of, of, a, of a museum, of a, of a hands-on museum. Go and see. Bye for now, folks.